Uh, it's Ben here. Uh, I'm sorry, Em is off somewhere else eating snacks. Just wanted to introduce this next episode of Ingredipedia. It was actually recorded a couple of weeks ago at a radio station called 3RRR in Melbourne, Australia. Um, unfortunately, the radio station was flooded halfway through the episode. Uh, a car hit a fire hydrant, shooting three stories of water into the air and flooding into the radio station so you'll hear a difference in sound quality between rounds one and two and round three which we recorded sitting at the pub watching the radio station flood we hope you enjoy this very special underwater episode of ingredipedia okay let's let's start this episode with Something a little atypical. I've cooked something. Wow. Which normally, Emily, you cook delicious things and I tell you about Civil War <laughs> facts. I hope you've got a Civil War fact tonight because I've cooked something. I've cooked one of the few things. I don't know. I cook a lot of things, but this is probably one of my favourite things. And I've cooked, well, cooked, it's hot. Yeah, I've, I've <laughs> heated it up there. There's two versions of it, of, of this um, thing. What I've made is, is some satay sauce in, in the Indonesian style. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask you to taste both... Cool. Maybe keep talking while I taste it. Yeah, okay. So the reason there's two versions of it, and I'm giving it to you with some rice crackers because I didn't really (laughs) want to fire up the hibachi and make any uh, any skewers, but um, so it's a it's a a a peanut sauce that I've made, and I made two versions of it. Both contain peanuts, chili, Mm. coriander root, lime, galangal. Definitely taste the peanuts. Yeah, uh, fresh turmeric, oil. Ginger, garlic, palm sugar, and balachan, or, or shrimp paste. Uh, but one of them is missing an ingredient, that, the one on your right there. <laughs> yeah, I can slightly taste a difference. Okay, so what do you what do you think's missing? Um, would it be the ingredient of our show today? The ingredient of our show, it's tamarind. <laughs> uh, so I've got some tamarind paste in one of them, which mm. really kind of adds a bit of sourness yeah. and uh, kind of sweet and sour. The other one's missing it. I probably overcompensated with a bit too much shrimp paste in the other one. So one's quite salty and one's got a nice sweet and sour zing from, from tamarind. The word for tamarind in, in Bahasa, Indonesia, in Indonesian language is asam, which also means sour, which kind of tells you a bit about tamarind. It's a, it's a highly acidic, sweet and sour, tending towards sour fruit that can be found across Southeast Asia, India, Central America, and tropical places. In a cooking sense, it kind of adds the zing and the mouth puckering sourness to uh, Thai curries, Indian curries, um, desserts, uh, even popular Mexican soft drinks like Joritos, Tamarindo, uh, Joritos. Um, it grows... on trees in pods and uh, it's kind of grown for decorative purposes and shade purposes as as well as for food and it can do much more than just add some zing as we'll find out tonight. Okay so when I first found out that we were doing tamarind as a topic the first thing I did was buy all the tamarind snacks that I could get my hands on so I went to a little Vietnamese grocer on Victoria Street in Richmond Mm -hmm. and so for round one I thought I'd do a little snack haul. Okay. So my first snack is tamarind juice. Yeah. Now it says it's in a can it's in like a white can with picture of tamarind on the front Mm -hmm. And it says shake well, and I'm not used to shaking a can because <laughs> a beer would explode. But, yeah. um, See how yeah. this got No, we've done okay. Um, so I think it's obviously not carbonated, so that's why it doesn't explode everywhere. Okay. That's the sound of camera. <laughs> okay, um, this is for me. Thank you. Um, right. So in my opinion, it's sweeter than tamarind. 
by itself, but it's pretty tart for a drink you get out of a can. Mm. Mm. It's very <laughs> sweet. It is very sweet. But There's more sugar than also, tamarind. But it's like the most sour drink you've had out of a can. <laughs> if, yep, out of all <laughs> the drinks I've had out of a can, this is the sourest. It's true. Um, so the ingredients are water, tamarind pulp, sugar, and high fructose syrup. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the last one is a sweetener that isn't great for you, but let's just ignore that because okay. this drink is great. Yes. <laughs> the next snack I have is sugar-coated tamarind. Okay. Yeah. So um, it's like a jube, it looks like, mm-hmm. but then it's also got like a really big whack of chilli in it. Oh. So they kind of look and feel yeah. like apricot delights. Um, mm. And when you first put them in your mouth, it's like a jube. Yeah. But then you think it's just sweet, but then it's really hot and sour. Yeah, these are great. <laughs> it's really good. But, these um, are like sour chews except for with chilli and fruit. Mm. I feel like it's something the dad of the family would like. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> um, like, like uh, licorice. I'm just going to play some Wilco. <laughs> um, and then my last snack is this plastic-wrapped tamarind. Okay. Now, it looks like a lolly, like it's kind of like wrapped up like a bonbon kind of thing. It looks like a caramel, but when you actually open it up, it's like... Really, oh, maybe it's just because I ate it on a really hot day last night. <laughs> um, hold on, when you open up the interior packaging. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of packaging going on here. Oh, God. Seems like Fort Knox. Yeah, it's like not actually a lolly. Ah. It's like, I it's think like, it might like actually just be like tamarind pulp. Yeah. Because that's what it tastes like. Yeah. I don't think it's a lolly. And it also has pips in it. Okay. <laughs> um, so they're the three snacks I got. And then a few days later, I actually got fresh tamarind, mm. which I was just eating, enjoying the taste. It's a good snack in itself. But my invention that I am claiming that I invented is to pair it with cheese as a substitute for quince paste. It's really, really good. Like okay. you get a really creamy, mild cheese and then put a little bit of um, tamarind on the bottom of the cheese between the cracker and the cheese. And it's really, really great. Okay. Tamarind and cheese, mm-hmm. invented by Emily Naismith. <laughs> Copyright Ingridopedia, yeah. 2016. <laughs> Done. Okay, and any of those uh, snack treats, any of those lollies, are they from Mexico? I th- think they're mainly all from Thailand. Okay, good to know. Because uh, I have to tell you a story um, that happened in 1999 until about 2002. Um In 1999, the California Health Department detected six cases of children suffering from lead poisoning. Uh, And I have to say, all the children, they found the cause and they recovered, so there were no deaths here. Um, But these kids... I'll I'll explain a little bit about lead poisoning first. So greater than 10 micrograms per deciliter is considered a high BLL or blood lead level. So (coughs) 10 some of these kids had BLLs of 88 micrograms per deciliter, so eight times what is considered safe. That's the amount of lead they had in the bodies. Um, all these kids were from Mexican-American families. Some had recently travelled to Mexico, but not all. They tested the soil around these kids' homes. They tested the paint on their walls. They tested their diet. They tested cooking pots. Uh, what they eventually found was that all had eaten a type of chili-coated tamarind lollipop Whoa. from Mexico called Bolrindo that was later found to be amazingly high in lead. So there were a 1,000 cases of elevated BLLs among Californian children between 
May 2001, January 2002, Bolrindo was identified as the cause of about 150 of those cases. So this, so how, how did the lead get yeah. in the Bolrindo, I, I, I hear you all asking. <laughs> well, according to the Centre for Strategic and Multi- Multicultural Studies in the US, the candy becomes contaminated when raw materials are dried in areas um, with high levels of airborne lead. So the tamarind may have, have been dried around lead. Uh, Raw materials are stored in containers glazed with lead paint, so it might have been the paint on the containers. Um, This is the scary part. Chilies, um, so these uh, Bolrindo also had chilli in them. The chilies are brought to the processing plant in large sacks with the grower being paid according to the weight of the sack. Oftentimes the grower adds rocks and metal parts and even car batteries to increase the bulk weight um, of of the chilies and then they're ground up with the chilies. So these kids might have been eating car batteries on their uh, on their lollipops. Uh, in addition, um, the products also sold, were sold in packaging, um, so the wrappers had lead in them as well. And so kids, uh, you know, licking the wrapper or just, like, eating the lollipop. Um, so, yeah, the offending lead spiked tamarind lollies were removed from the market. Public health campaigns were set up, including the website www.leadinmexicancandy.com. Uh, I found an excellent uh, fact sheet. And the problem seems to have gone away. So tamarind... Yes, it, it's delicious. Lead, mm, not quite as delicious. Before I actually found um, tamarind, I was looking into what dishes it's used in and I realised I actually have something in my cupboard that has tamarind in it already. It's in Worcestershire sauce. Yes. Yeah. It is. So I feel like it's one of about a million ingredients in Worcestershire sauce. I think we mentioned in episode two that anchovies are one of the main ingredients in there. Yes. And, yeah, tamarind's in there too. We're just slowly deconstructing Worcestershire sauce. That's what we're doing. Um, But the full recipe, the full original recipe was a secret until a few years ago. So the company that originally created Worcestershire sauce is called Lee and Perrins, Mm -hmm. and they started selling it in the UK in 1838, and it was an instant hit. So they didn't want everyone to know their recipe, so they kept it really, really secret and used code names, actually, with people within the business, so no one knew the whole recipe. Mm. But about 10 years ago, a former Lee and Perrins accountant was just rifling through the dumpster and he found the original recipe notes. Now, I don't know why the accountant was just rumbling <laughs> through the skip. Don't, don't but, ask. But um, he found them, anyway, in written in sepia ink in two leather-bound folios and it listed all the ingredients and the quantities, but it didn't list the method. So the ingredients were water. I can't understand how much water. It's a measurement I don't know. <laughs> two pounds of cloves, 10 pounds of salt, 34 pounds of sugar, eight gallons of soy, 24 pounds of fish, so I'm guessing that's the anchovies, 18 gallons of vinegar, eight ounces of essence of lemons, five pounds of peppers, 40 pounds of pickles, which I respect, and 14 pounds of tamarind, which is apparently the Victorian spelling of tamarind. Mm. So the family's working with the Worcester Museum to get it verified, but a museum staff member said... Even with all the ingredients, there's no guarantee you'd be able to make the sauce as what makes it distinctive is the way it's made, which is still a secret. Mm. But I don't know. I think if you dedicated a life to it, you could definitely <laughs> work it out. Um, so, yeah, if you think you haven't had tamarind before, you've probably been drinking it all that time in your Bloody Marys. Yeah. Mm. A, a, a key ingredient of Bloody Marys. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to take things on a musical tangent. Uh, I'm just going to play a bit of, bit of music for you here. 
So what we're listening to now is the uh, is the start of a, a 1943 Indian film called Tansen, uh, and it's a film about Mian Tansen, who was born in 1940, uh, sorry, in 1493, uh, and died in either 1586 or 1589. He was known as uh, a, a prominent Indian classical music composer, musician, and vocalist. Uh, um, he's known for a large number of compositions, and he's also an instrumentalist, but really a, a singer. He's really known as a singer in the uh, court of the Mughal emperor Jalal ud Din Akbar, and Akbar gave him the title Mian Tenzin, which means an honor. It's an honorific um, title, meaning learned man. Le- uh, legend has it that in his first performance, he was given one hundred thousand gold coins. So that's more than Kanye gets, right? Uh, he's widely written about in folklore and was the subject of this 1943 film that we're listening to. So, what does a legendary Indian singer from the 16th century have to do with tamarind? Well, the most famous tamarind tree in India stands over his tomb, uh, and. Uh, Four centuries later, India's finest classical singers still travel to Tansen's tomb to pluck leaves from this tamarind tree to make into throat gargles in the hope that their voices will become as pure as their legendary predecessors. So this tree is kind of like, you know, singers take, um, I guess, like a pilgrimage here to, to pluck leaves from it. And there, there might, there just might be a little bit of science to it. So each 100 grams of tamarind contains 36% of your daily uh, intake of thiamine, 35% of iron, 23% of magnesium, and 16% of the phosphorus we need for a day's worth of nutrition. It's also really high uh, in um, niacin, calcium, vitamin C, which is what I'm guessing is helping the singers, copper and pyridoxine. Uh, And tamarinds also contain high levels of tartaric acid, just as citrus fruits contain citric acid, providing not just a zing for the taste buds, but evidence of powerful antioxidant action zapping zapping harmful free radicals floating through your system. So any singers out there, get on the uh, the tamarind gargle. Does it it, um, cure, like... Inability to hit the right note. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe you need to go all okay. the way to Tansen's uh, grave for <laughs> the most famous tamarind tree in India. Uh, cool. You might want to leave now. Okay, a little bit of an update uh, and uh, an explanation for the change in sound quality. We're now sitting at the pub across from the studios where we're recording Greedopedia um, and we do our, our summer radio show on 3 Triple R FM in Brunswick in Melbourne, Australia. Um, the studios have flooded. A car hit a fire hydrant and also our bikes. Uh, and we are now uh, sitting across the road with the, uh, the power off in the studios. But we thought we'd finish this episode live on the street. Uh, Shivering the, slightly from shiver- being completely drenched. Emily ran through the geyser to try and uh, save... Our, our guest, Karen Batson from uh, Cookie and uh, Magic Mountain Saloon and a whole bunch of great restaurants in Melbourne. Uh, yeah, she ran out to check that she was okay. Karen is okay. Uh, she won't make it onto the podcast, but uh, we're just going to finish off with uh, round three. Um, so I feel like using native Australian ingredients is very on trend at the moment in the food world. Um, Renee Redzepi is about to open the Noma pop-up in Sydney where he'll um, have lots of like native Australian ingredients in his dishes on Instagram. I've seen him post like a lemon myrtle ice cream with bush limes and also a big pile of cro- crocodile fat. 
<laughs> um, and like Ben Churi's been doing it for ages. His current menu has wattle seed bread, marin, and also salted red kangaroo. So I found it really interesting to learn that we have a native tamarind plant in Australia, uh, actually two native tamarind plants. They have no um, direct relationship with the tamarind, which is indigenous to Africa, but um, they're still kind of similar. The first one's called Diploglottis australis, and it's a rainforest tree easily identified by sausage-shaped leaflets, which I like. Um, and it has yellow and brown hairy flowers in spring and then round orange-yellow sour fruit after that. And then the other one is the small-leaved ta tamarind, which is really rare in the wild. And apparently there's only 42 known mature wild trees in Australia. But you can buy it as a seedling and plant it privately, which some people have do, and it's actually commercially available as a bush food. And there are heaps of trees in Lismore, um, and it has bright red seeds that grow in group of threes. And I can't find any restaurants or chefs that use native tamarind um, on the internet, but maybe they probably do. I don't know. Renee Rizepi's probably listening, taking notes, right? Sounds like a call out, <laughs> Renee, if you're listening. That's a throwdown. That that Sydney pop up won't won't be uh, won't be complete until there's some tamarind on the menu. Well, I'm glad that there's a native tamarind because what I've been realizing in my research is that tamarind is like is, is kind of magical. I've got some tamarind puree here, which is just mushed up tamarind, really, um, with some water and a little bit of salt. And we, there's just like a heap of different medicinal effects for it. In the, um, in the old days, uh, it treated sailors for scurvy because of the high um, vitamin content. It made, as I mentioned before, legendary singers sing. Uh, but I'm just going to give you a little bit of a test, Anne. I'm going to uh, list some illnesses and disorders, and you've got to tell me which ones can be treated with tamarind. Okay. okay. Uh, skin infections. Um, can be. Yeah. yeah. Boils. Can be. Yep. <laughs> Colic. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's like a... Um, uh, uh, digestive problem in okay. Um Probably. Yep. Uh, colds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, can be, yep. Uh, pink eye or conjunctivitis. I would say it probably wouldn't treat that. It does. Oh, okay. It treats that. Uh, dry eyes. Yeah. Yeah, it does, yep. Diabetes. Is everything, yes. Um, everything's going to be yes. Severe dysentery, <laughs> chronic diarrhea, gallbladder disorder, if you've got that, and, uh, fever, indigestion, jaundice. <laughs> Just a bus driving past our makeshift studio here at the Lomond Hotel in Brunswick. Uh, liver disorders, bile disorders, gingivitis, keratitis or swelling of the cornea. Wow, I have all these things. Uh huh. Uh, leprosy. <laughs> it can no, treat your leprosy, and um, so I, I salute you, Tamarind, and I hope that uh, it, it gets put on every menu ever because none of us will will have pink eye or jaundice or leprosy. Um, so thank you for listening to this very, very special, slightly odd episode of Ingredipedia. We'll be back as normal next week. In the meantime, you can tell us what you thought about our facts. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Ingredipedia. Uh, our facts are already up there. You can tell us what, what you think of them. 
and keep suggestions coming through as well on the on the website www.ingredipedia.com.au. We'll try not to flood any studios in between now and next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.